This is the Screaming Pods Network on ScreamingPods.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. Hello, what have we here? My God, it's full of stars. Xenopod, from the year 5000. Here we go to the show. You are listening to X-E-N-O-P-O-D-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-Y-E-A-R 5 triple zero. The first zero stands for the ones place. The second zero stands for the tens place. The third zero stands for the hundreds place. And the five is for 5,000. Motherfuckers, you are listening to Xeno Pod from the year 5,000, man. I'm your special guest. My name's Mike Delaney. I should not be here right now. Let me throw it to the fucking host with the lot, with the uh, <laughs> with the most, the host with the most. Sean, look up how to spell my last name, Deregger. Go. Sean, it's your show. Go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Xenopod from the year 5000. Of course, Mike Delaney on the microphone with me. We are cuddled. In uh, the corner of a room, a fireplace in front of us, doing this podcast from a shared sleeping bag. That is true. We bought the sleeping bag from any mountain. Not not like literally any mountain, but like a store in the Bay Area called any... any uh, anyway, it's like, it's, it's a really warm, cuddly sleeping bag. We love it. It's great, yeah. right, Sean? Flannel. That's amazing. Uh, and the footsie can keep on going, man. We can keep doing this. This is all good. Today, we are talking about Repo Madness, Repo Man, Repo, the genetic opera, Repo Men, and Repo Chick. So buckle up. None of these films technically are related. Technically. <laughs> Sexually, yes. <laughs> They were all connected by repossession of certain things. So, Mike Delaney, uh, first, before we jump into all that, I like to ask our guests, what is your personal history with science fiction? <laughs> Definitely the, the, the first, uh, science fiction films I watched were the big ones for any, uh, y- you know, young people. Yeah, where, where are my young people at? Uh, young people <laughs> from the 80s. Oh, uh, yes. We, we, <laughs> I watched uh, uh, Return of the Jedi ad nauseum on VHS at my uh, my babysitter spot. Your VCR may never be the same. It's coming February 25th. Return of the Jedi. It's thrilling. It's dangerous. It's delightful. It's the movie our whole galaxy has been waiting for. So reserve your copy now and invite a friend over. Return of the Jedi from CBS Fox. But I, I think the big one that came into my house that uh, that I watched ad nauseum to, to reuse my term from 13 seconds ago was uh, was E.T. Steven Spielberg's E.T., man. 1982, right? And I yeah. think uh I think the big VHS release came out in 84. Oh, 
to announce that E.T. has come home. Home on video cassette. And Pepsi is offering a special $5 rebate with the purchase of an E.T. video and Pepsi. And then I think uh, it was maybe within a year or two after that that it really started to saturate the market in uh, in just any old store, whether you're at Safeway or Albertsons or Costco or whatever the, the retailers were at the time. But I remember my, uh, my mom, who I have... Uh, uh, <laughs> a history relationship with, uh, she, she brought home the ET tape and it had that green, uh, the green band above where the magnetic tape is. Uh, and it had the, the, the universal, uh, cardboard slip case that had the traditional poster on it, but it was, I, I think it was like the first edition. So it was wh- whatever that year was when ET first came out. And then getting E.T. into the house. And I remember watching that shit like every night I would watch E.T. Uh, and, and D. Wallace, you know, of course, as, as the mom. And, uh, I almost said Henry Gibson. I always say Henry Gibson when I mean who, Sean? <laughs> who do I mean instead of Henry Gibson? I don't mean Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson is the fucking Nazi from from the Blues Brothers and from Laughing and and the gay dude with uh you know that wants to get with uh William H Macy and Magnolia. That's Henry Gibson. The the Burbs, nineteen eighty nine. Who do I mean? I mean Henry Thomas. That's who I mean. From uh, yes, the kid. Legends yes, of the yes. Fall. Henry Thomas. Yes, <laughs> from Legends of the Fall and Gangs of New York and fucking E T. No, so so I, I would spend evenings with D. Wallace and and Henry Thomas, and of course uh, the lovely uh, Drew Barrymore. But like any '80s kid, man, I watched E.T. ad nauseum. To use that term a third fucking time within like a, a three minute time span. But I think that that and Return of the Jedi were my indoctrinating moments into uh, science fiction. And then it gets more complicated from there, but I, I, I think that's the first big step. A movie that I watched all the time, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the last show, I don't think I did, but I would whenever we would go out to rent movies, uh, it would be my pick. And I think I, I did you know, I rented Return of the Jedi was my favorite to to rent all the time as well. But another movie that I always would pick was Joe Dante's The Explorers. Mm, that yeah, that's a great fucking movie, man. Which is just fantastic. I mean, I remember like as I got older, I would watch it, and I, and once it got to the alien children at the end, it kind of I was like, oh, that's kind of goofy. But uh, I mean, most of that movie, even as an adult, like I love seeing those kids, you know, getting the the uh, the plans, you know, for the spaceship and building it, and the and the friendship there. And it, man, it's just, it's just a great great flick, and uh, I highly recommend it, man. That that thing needs a glorious baby blue release in my opinion explorers is uh is paramount paramount needs to get on that shit and release it with Oliver or, or someone on blu-ray but flight of the navigator it you know as much as i love explorers flight of the navigator man that's that's the one i probably watched more uh because it can't i i think that came after explorers maybe like a year or two after yeah but uh and that san francisco bay area where where i grew up and and i still live so I think that's why I have a, a connection specifically to to that film, but uh, but yeah, no. Disney should release Flight of the Navigator, no question, and then Paramount. Fucking get on it, man! Flight of the Navigator uh, does have a pretty good UK Blu-ray release, 
uh, if uh, if you're interested. I'm interested, Sean. Can you send me the link? I'll send you the link. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> there you go, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's jump in to today's features. Let's first of all talk about 1984's Repo Man. What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp, out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? Sell that car and send me your money. You don't need that car. Put it on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it more. Couldn't enjoy it anymore, Mom. Mm-mm-mm. This is swell. What's this? <laughs> Charming friends you got there, Otto. Thanks. I made it myself. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. A friend of mine had one. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. This, of course, directed by Alex Cox, who a couple years later would direct one of my favorite films of all time, Sid and Nancy. Is that, Sean, is that true? Sid and Nancy is one of your favorite films of all time? Yeah, I think it is. I, I need to rewatch the, the Criterion Blu-ray, but uh, when it when I first discovered it, I was kind of going through like my punk rock phase, and that, that movie was huge in influencing, uh, I guess, my my punk rock history studies. When I, when I was younger. So, you know, as far as the development of who I am today, it definitely is high up there on the echelon of uh, favorite films. But Alex Cox. <laughs> you just you just like saying Cox. You, you heard Cox. you say yeah, Cox yeah, yeah. as many times as you did. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm in daydream land again. <laughs> uh, he is a British director, and uh, he has trying to go through, go through his filmography here but uh, Repo Man what I was I, I I'm not sure if it was his first 
feature? As far as I know, it's 100% his his first feature film, yeah. It was uh, low budget and uh, this weird kind of futuristic fever dream uh, that he directed. He later would do, of course, Sid Nancy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking through here and I'm like trying to see if there's other films that I've seen that he's done, but I don't think I've seen a whole lot of his uh, filmography. Sean, I don't know how to spell your last name, Dureger. Stop right there. Yes, sir. Hold on a second. D-U-R-E-G-G-E-R. Right, but I don't know how to do that. Have you seen Straight to Hell? The the Western parody he did with, like, Joe Strummer from The Clash? and Holy shit, no, I have not. Oh, my God, you gotta see Straight to Hell. And it stars Joe Strummer, and I'm here, and I'm here talking about how I grew up and all this... Punk rock bullshit, and I even know Joe Strummer is in a Western film parody with directed by Alex Cox. Oh, and also Walker, man, with Ed Harris, the Western, also available from the Criterion Collection, only on standard definition Criterion mm. DVD. But still, hey, ho, yo, you got to get that into your eye space, bro. I will. I mean, anything Ed Harris is like. Hell yeah. No, Alex Cox made some great movies. So uh, there's like a a treasure trove of fucking Alex Cox wonderment out there, man. Uh, That I want Sean DeRager to explore. I will. But Repo Man, baby, he knocked it out of the park on his first try. And I feel like if he did this today, he'd be pulling a Duncan Jones where everyone's going to be shitting on everything he does because it's not as good as his first thing (laughs) i think 100 percent what you just said was correct uh repo man is such like an ambitious debut in in 1984 to like a specific culture sect uh with with punk rock culture and he got it so right so fast like out of the gate What's the budget on this thing? Like, uh, one and a half million dollars? Like, it's, like, it's nothing even by, like, mid 80s standards, right? Yeah, it was, uh, 1.5 million? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly one and a half. So, no, you're 100% correct with, with your Duncan Jones assessment. And I think, uh, like, the Duncan Jones assessment is, uh, is very key for, like, two, you know, 2011, 2010, whenever, whenever that movie came out, Moon. But, but I think even more so, this, this is like, uh, this is like a first time director with like a very strong vision, like a, like a Jordan Peele with, with Get Out, where right. <laughs> you're, you're addressing like a very specific culture and time and moment and bam, here's the fucking script where like everything comes together and we're going to put it on the screen and it's all going to come out before even this this moment evaporates and i think that's uh that's repo man and i think i think repo man or look i'll just go back to your your duncan jones thing yes alex cox if he had to make a second feature in 2018 to follow repo man it wouldn't fucking happen it'd be like a jurassic world colin trevino type thing or have you ever said that man's name out loud colin what (laughs) colin trevero Trevor But Sean, have you ever said that name out loud? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't think I have. I just I just read it. Colin Trevorrow has never come up as like 
in really in any conversation other than like tweets. Yeah, you're not at the coffee shop and you're like, hello, chum, <laughs> let's talk about Colin Trevorrow's Book of Henry. Like, yeah, <laughs> never, it, it never comes up. <laughs> never happens, no. You see that COX and you're like, Cox fucks. Like, you know how to say it. Yeah. Uh, so, so Cox maybe wouldn't have had the same problem as uh, Trevorrow or, or, or Peel or any of these other people. But yeah, no, Sean's 100% correct in that we have this culture now that eats up indie filmmakers that make like a great first feature and we want them to make Marvel movies or <laughs> event movies or Netflix movies <laughs> or, or Cloverfield movies <laughs> right after. And, uh, and it, it, and it doesn't always happen to, uh, to the studio's, uh, uh, liking, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Alex Cox would have gotten to do these cool projects he did after Repo Man if he had made Repo Man in, in, in the current climate. That's a long winded answer. It is, it is. No, no. And what's, what's fascinating about, about Repo Man is, I mean, we're in early eighties, consumer culture, yuppie culture. Nuclear fear of nuclear war. We got Reaganism, Reaganomics, and all that stuff. Um, we got suburban sprawl kind of happening even more. And then you have kind of the rebirth of punk rock in the early 80s. Cause like, you know, punk rock had been around since, mm, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s. And then it kind of in, in, in the UK. And then it kind of had its, I guess, an American like resurgence in the early eighties or we kind of finally had adopted, you know, more of the punk rock stuff over here or something like that. So it's, um, so the kind of the new little new wave of punk rock was kind of coming around and, and that whole culture and everything. And you know what? I, I just, I just love this movie so much. And I mean, you have Harry Dean Stanton coming in as a repo man and he wants to train this young kind of degenerate played by Emilio Estevez. And, uh, and they're not just hunting for like just somebody's car. Like they're hunting for like a Chevy Malibu that may have some sort of like radioactive aliens that can disintegrate you into the trunk. So I mean, this is like pretty, this is a high concept plot <laughs> mixed in with, all this kind of political climate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's high concept in the, in the fact that we have exactly, we have these Reaganomics, uh, and this nuclear, uh, fear slipped into this, uh, sci-fi plot around this Chevy Malibu that <laughs> has a very high price on its head for, for repos in the Southern California area. But yeah, the, so yeah, in the trunk of this car is what's essentially nowadays we refer to it as a WMD. But in, mm. in, uh, in Repo Man, it would have been, it would have been like a nuclear weapon. It would have been something the commies had, right? Like the, the, the Russians, the, you know, the Ruskies, whatever. Yes. Yes. But, uh, I, look, I should go on record as saying right now that I, I might not be the best guest for this show because Repo Man is unapologetically like my favorite movie of all time. I think, I think, uh, you know, I, we, we, we've talked about debut movies, you know, like a, like a Duncan Jones making Moon or look, I'm going to fucking, uh, really get, uh, sacrilegious here and say like, uh, Orson Welles making Citizen Kane or, oh. uh, the Coen brothers making Blood Simple. Like, I mm. think 
Repo Man is as good as a debut as a filmmaker or filmmaking team could have, like, in the history of uh, film. American film, international film, whatever. Because, like Sean said, Alex Cox, man. Cox? Cox is international. Cox Cox don't fuck with borders. Cox is all over the place. <laughs> and Alex Cox is, is British. And he fucked with America and uh, Reaganomics here. So Repo Man, like... I mean, it. it I, th- I believe it had kind of a troubled production. Like the the studio, like didn't even really know what to do with it, or they didn't really like the producers were really, like not really keen on the whole idea. The whole like the punk rock meets you know science fiction with Ronald Reagan, um, and so like I guess what happened was in order for him to kind of sell this to the producers to help sell the movie instead of just writing out a treatment he sketched a comic book treatment to help sell the movie and then he gave it to his uh 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 Michael Nesmith who was a former monkey you know the band the monkeys um right. and he gave that to to Michael Nesmith and that Michael Nesmith based on that decided that he would help finance the film so then we got rolling along, you know, I guess gave him $1.5 million and uh, just <laughs> just decided to just go out in there and make your uh, crazy little film. It's all fucking crazy because this predates even that, uh, like, 80s toyetic, like, you have an action yeah. figure that ties into a comic book that ties into a television show. Like, it predates all that. And Alex Cox is like, well, I guess I guess the way you sell things is through, like, some kind of visual, <laughs> musical, like, combination. And we'll do that through, like, a comic book and maybe playing, like, Black Flag Records or maybe playing the Circle Jerks <laughs> to, to a fucking former monkeys. And, like, it, it's all super fucking weird because, like, the monkeys are, you know... At this time, we're thinking of the monkeys as like Saturday morning, like kids show, right? <laughs> yeah. Sean, yeah. you remember watching the monkeys, right? Oh yeah. Even in our youth, you and I watched the fucking monkeys. But then you go back and you explore like the monkeys television show. Like from an alternative perspective, or their Bob Raffleson, uh, uh, the the BBS movie Head, right? Do you have Do you have that beautiful box set that includes Head, written by Jack Nicholson? Right? Oh my God, I don't know. What the fuck is it? <laughs> anyway, you should go. <laughs> so the monkeys had a movie called Head, which was like a very anti-Vietnam War. Uh, a film, but also very much like a monkey's film and all, also like a 60s psychedelia uh, uh, picture. You put all these things that are happening at the same time together, like the monkeys are on syndicated TV. There's fucking action figures being sold from comic books, making like TV shows and like there's there's these crazy songs that are coming. And then Alex Cox is like, yes, we will sell this punk rock movie with very specific la punk rock bands (laughs) through this comic book and it's so fucking crazy that universal even picked it up in the first place so then he decided he wanted harry dean stanton as one of the leads so he brings the idea so it looks like you know he had to bring everything to 
whoever was producing this, whether it was Universal or, you know, whether it was uh, the Monkees, I don't know. Um, and so he dropped that Harry Dean Stanton should be in this. And I guess for a while, he'd been kind of, he wasn't on the top of anyone's list for supporting roles, but he uh, he was on more of the, the character actor list. And I, I don't know, they, they wanted Dennis Hopper instead. But uh, but Alex Cox decided to keep on going after Stanton and talk them into to bringing Harry Dean Stanton in. Can you imagine like Dennis Hopper in that role? You, you know, as Bud, I could imagine. Yeah. I could. I could imagine. Maybe you have a harder edge to him. Yeah, it's it's only in my imagination that I could uh, put Dennis Hopper in that role. But like <laughs> so perfectly, so charming, so laid back, and so like daddy grandpa like is, is harry dean stanton in this role where you completely trust him like i couldn't i couldn't imagine dennis hopper pulling up to me saying like my wife is uh <laughs> gonna give birth and you need to you need to fucking jump her car like i'd be scared of that shit like in a second <laughs> but harry dean stanton i'm like yeah man i'll i'll help you out man you're yeah. you're a lanky dude yeah i got you so- so then, so Alex Cox goes to Henry Dean Stanton's agent, and the agent says, ah, "You don't want to work with Harry Dean. Uh, you want to work with Mick Jagger." So the so Harry Dean Stanton's own agent tried to push Mick Jagger for the role. It's crazy, like it's super crazy because Harry. All right, so again. Uh, full disclosure, this is one of my favorite movies of all time ever. And I think <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton is, is so perfect in this role that you hear these like alternative universe stories of like uh, Dennis Hopper, Mick Jagger. And you're like, what the fuck does this even like mean? But I think what it is, Sean, is I think it's it's a case of uh, I, I think it's a case of like big money scene. Mm-hmm. uh seen value in in like small art like i think they read the script and they realized like how quotable it was or how like relevant politically it was and they're like this is something mick jagger should do not harry dean stanton because in fucking 20 years no one's going to care about harry dean stanton which is not true they're going to care about mick jagger which is also kind of (laughs) true but like i think i think it's like like we cock block ourselves sometimes is in look i'm not like a major producer or anything but i think that like we don't have our best interests like at heart all the time always like we just want we want whatever's big to be bigger we don't want like what's best to be big you know and uh and i think they looked at the repo man script and they realized how quotable and relevant it was and they were like this is big, but they kind of undersell it to Alex Cox. And they're like, well, maybe it'd be bigger if it, uh, if it had this other star attached to it. But that's not true because I think the real star of the film is Alex Cox. Absolutely. The script, Sean? Right. That is one of the most quotable scripts I've ever read in my entire life. Y'all sit around and quote Big Lebowski? <laughs> I think, I think it's Repo Man. I quote RoboCop, but, you know. Yeah, no, RoboCop's great, yeah. And Top Gun, but that's just me. <laughs> oh, oh, Top Gun is just you. <laughs> it's, just, just, it's just me, probably. RoboCop is like a whole subsect of white internet, but... You know. <laughs> 
So Emilio Estevez, he he joins the film. I guess they had an issue trying to get him, but he actually went for it. Um, and but you know, but speaking of Alex Cox and his script, the reason why Emilio Estevez decided to do the role and he kind of fought against his agents was he said, "I was falling on my ass laughing. The script was just hysterical. I said that I had to do this picture." He said that in an interview back in '85. So Alex Cox, his his script. Uh, basically landed their star. And I think, I mean, would you say this helped launch Emilio Estevez's career even more? Or where, where was he at around in 84? Well, I think I think the big thing, and you know, Sean, I, I'll share this story because I have a bleeding heart. But I, I think <laughs> the big thing that he did up until this point was The Outsiders, right? Which, uh, which today, yeah. literally today, I was gifted by one of my students who, who read The Outsiders with me uh, four years ago, she, she discovered it was a movie. <laughs> she bought it at Walmart and she brought it to me to, to show me that, that there's a movie of the outsiders. And I'm like, yes, sweetheart. I know. For, did she not see that in Coppola. fifth grade? <laughs> <laughs> Stop. But look, but, but look, that's a testament to how great I am. I don't even fucking show the outsiders movie. I'm like, that's a great movie, but you know, what's better reading the fucking book, reading the book. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think Emilio Estevez, what his, his big thing at that point was, uh, was the outsiders. Yeah. Two bit Matthews. Mm-hmm. He had done some TV and stuff up to this point. Uh, he was in a movie called Tex. Oh yeah. Tex. No, that's also, uh, S.E. Hinton who wrote, uh, the outsiders. Mm. I'm going to take your word for it. You, you most certainly are. And you'll also <laughs> take my word that, uh, Emilio Estevez is, of course, of lineage of Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen, which you should. And, uh, they are, of course, the sons of Jim Carrey and Brad Pitt, <laughs> who made it. Jim Carrey and Brad Pitt made it and made Martin Sheen. And Martin Sheen made <laughs> yes. Emilio Estevez. I'm going to yeah. take your word for that one, too. I don't know how old Emilio Estevez was at, at the time, but for him in 1985, 1984 to say like Repo Man was so funny and that's how he had to do it. That is, that is the fucking funniest script I've ever read. Period. Can you quote lines off the top of your head? Off the top of your head. Repo Man, favorite Repo Man lines. This is a test. <laughs> Go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, I'll do it for sure. But here's here's something people need to know because I don't know if you listen to other like Screaming Pod shows, if you listen to uh, Splat House or Sov Pod. I don't even know what we call it. I look. <laughs> I watch. I watch movies. I love movies. There's and I'm an actor, but there's one thing I can't do, and I I just can't ever quote a movie after I see it. You know, and I've I've, I've yeah. talked to uh, Stephanie Crawford, who's uh, who's the co-host of uh, uh, the Screamcast, and she's kind of the same way. We have we have similar taste in comedy, but she's like Mike. I I also cannot quote funny movies. Like when people tell me <laughs> quotes, like I don't know what they are. I'm the same way. Repo Man is the only movie outside of maybe kind of sort of Fargo that I could quote. Like where, where I'm like, th- that makes sense to me. All right. Or I use quotes all the time. So Sean, here we go. Re- you ready? Ready. Do this. So my top quotes from Repo Man that I use almost on a daily basis. So if, uh, so I- I'm a high school teacher, middle school, high school teacher. 
if a kid asks me to do something and I'm already busy, I say, excuse me while I fold my pants. <laughs> Perfect. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me while I fold my pants. Auto. What? Auto. What? Give me another beer. If, uh, like, literally... Literally, if if a kid asks me if uh, I could go get food for them, like from the cafeteria, because teachers are not allowed to go get food for the kids from the cafeteria, I'll look at the kid and I'll say, let's go get sushi and not pay for it. <laughs> and they'll look at me like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, dear. What a shame. Come on, dude. Let's go do those crimes. Yeah, yeah, let's go get sushi and, and not pay. The other thing that I do is like if I if I have to because look, I'm an upstanding dude, you know, like I follow the rules. If I snitch out a kid for doing some shit that breaks school rules and uh, and I have to tell that kid that uh, that I broke the school rule or that they broke the school rules and I turned them in, I look at them and I go, Society made me do it. Oh. Yeah, I'm here, man. The lights are growing dim. I know a life of crime led me to this sorry fate. And yet, I, I blame society. Society made me what I am. That's bullshit. You're a white suburban punk, just like me. But it still hurts. You're gonna be all right, man. Maybe not. That's all true. No, I quote Repo Man all the time. It's the it's the best fucking goddamn script in the world. So what is it about the script that, other than the quotability, that you love? Like, what, I mean, what what sets this apart from, say, other films, other movies, like, say, like, in your top ten? If I'm looking at my top ten, my top ten includes things like, uh, like Fargo, which I, I mentioned earlier, which is another uh, crime story uh, that ha- that deals with morality, or... Uh, or the Wizard of Oz, which is like a, a timeless, like one of the only American fairy tales, you know, uh, or I, I think about the documentary and I've talked with you about this, Sean, uh, American movie, which, which has to deal with, uh, I think, you know, predominantly the American dream. I think the thing that I love about Repo Man is how, not just like from the moment it was, but how timeless it was at the same time. Cause when it deal, when it t- tackles and deals with things like, like capitalism or nihilism, <laughs> like, or even just like the, 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 the fucking punk rock culture, like these are, these are themes and ideas that like seep into like subcultures and, and times beyond, uh, the, the 80s or, or this, specific moment you know and with uh with repo man 
I think that what I respond to most is the, uh, the, uh, narrative trajectory of, uh, the Emilio Estevez auto character. Auto, right? Do you get yes. that, Sean? Yeah. His Automatics. Auto. Yeah. Auto, auto, auto parts. Do you say that? Do you ever do that? <laughs> no. No. All right. Well, they do that in the movie, Sean. It's a line from the movie. No, but th- this kid, this punk rock kid, who's who's essentially like a punk, like a nihilist, like he doesn't believe in fucking anything, and then he gets he gets like the one fucking cool job that's regular, and then he becomes like a shill for the man, and it's like this great fucking story about the dude who doesn't believe in anything that becomes like the corporation like within within a very short amount of time but then the corporation becomes kind of this like philosophical and you'll love this shit right Sean when we get to it like this religious idea that there's like other things out there like there's things bigger than capitalism there's things bigger than not believing in anything like there's there's shit that we never even fucking knew right he has a reason though to kind of be nihilistic and pissed off especially about things bigger than him because his parents have given his entire money that they had saved for him to go to school they give it to this uh, televangelist and so you know it's like he's kind of wanting to better himself and then when he finally decides to do that because he gets fired from his job at the the supermarket and uh and then his you know then his girlfriend leaves him and so (laughs) He decides to cash in on his education and his parents have given it up to this guy, you know, uh, on the TV, you know, uh, you know promising, uh, I don't know, prayers for money or something like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that brings up another great point, too, that I that I say all the time is like, so today, Sean, I was eating uh, baked beans with chopsticks and uh, the girls <laughs> in my high school class said they said, wouldn't shouldn't you go get a fork and i was eating them with chopsticks i said "Mm -mm -mm, couldn't taste any better that's all fucking that's that's just re like repo man is my day every fucking day like all i can do is quote repo man should should we explain why it's a sci-fi movie i don't i don't know if we've uh have we even talked about how it's yes i've mentioned the aliens uh it's 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 a uh it's it's kind of uh it's kind of a post-apocalyptic future in a sense. Um, I, I don't even know if they even say like what year it takes place in, but you know, it's, it's, it's this kind of weird post-apocalyptic future. I don't think like Reagan's mentioned specifically or anything. It's just kind of the ideas of the film, like with capitalism and stuff, right? It kind of, it, it kind of exists in its own time or something like that. Yeah. I agree with that sentiment that like, we, we don't specifically say, or or Cox doesn't specifically say, like, this is uh, 1983, and Ronald Reagan is obviously the president. But we have we have enough cultural references, like, through uh, some of the other postmodern filmmakers that we've come to accept, like, nowadays, where, like, you know, they, they talk about, like, Flintstones or Johnny Carson. Like, we could obviously create a timeline where we go, oh, okay. These are the things that have happened until now, and uh, and and here we are. Uh, but no, it's it's never directly said. Uh, this is the time, and this is the place. 
But the place is obviously, obviously Los Angeles. Sean, you know, you asked me, you asked me to give some of my favorite lines from Repo Man, but can you, can you do some of yours? Like, what, what, what are you some, some of your favorite lines, buddy? I'm, I'm awful, legit awful at remembering any kind of lines. Um, like really bad. Like I'll remember a line as the movie's playing, and then I'll start quoting it along. But uh, there's no way that I anything gets stuck in my head from from that film. What if I? What if I said John Wayne? What would you say after I said John Wayne? He was a fag. <laughs> That's one of the fucking funniest lines ever of any movie ever. All right. Repo man don't go running to the man, Marley, and Repo man goes it alone. It's a rebob. Just like John Wayne. Damn right, just like John Wayne. What's wrong with that? Greatest yeah, American yeah. that ever lived. John Wayne was a fag. What did you say, uh, What? John Wayne was a fag. The hell he was! He was too, you boys. I installed two-way mirrors in his pad in Brentwood. And he come to the door in a dress. Ah, uh, you're fucking oh, nuts. That doesn't yeah. mean he was a homo, Miller. Don't a lot of straight guys like to watch their buddies fuck. They do? No, I do. Yeah. 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 Don't you? Damn straight, I do. Well, John Wayne, man. Tell us his name, you little pussy. That's, that shit's fucked up, but that shit that shit's funny. <laughs> what if I said, uh, you're all repo men? What what would you do if I, if you said, you're all repo men? What's your next action? What do you do? <laughs> Dude, I'm awful at this stuff. You pour out your beer, man. You remember that shit? Like when... Emilio Estevez, he brings the car back. You pull out your nondescript beer. Yeah, nondescript beer, exactly, like the (laughs) the generic beer. Anyway, look, I really don't, and and Sean, I don't know what the rule is with this, but like, if you're if you're like a hip millennial hipster that's been like so woke and dealing with like social issues that you have not watched like, a, a great number of films, including Repo Man. Like, I don't want to spoil it mm-hmm. for you, so you, sh- you should go watch it. It's fucking amazing. It's funny as shit, but, um, and it's also a science fiction film. But, uh, Sean, what, <laughs> what else, what else do we need to talk about today on our science fiction film podcast, which is <laughs> X-E-N-O-P-O-D-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-Y-E-A-R-5, Triple O, the first zero stands for the ones place, the second zero stands for the tens place, and the third zero stands for the hundreds place. The five is for 5,000. You are listening to Xenopod from the year 5,000, man. We are going in chronological order. So Repo Man was released in 1984. The next Repo-type film was unrelated to this world, to Alex Cox, but it is involving repossession of not cars, but organs. Uh, it is Repo, the genetic opera.
this, this, uh, this thing. Um, and we're going to talk about another repo of organs film uh, that came out shortly after this. But uh, this is a musical done by Darren Lynn Bousman. And uh, Darren Lynn Bousman was involved with the Saw uh, series, I believe. He uh, was involved not with the first one, but with uh, Saw 2, 3, and then uh, 4, I guess. the Kind of the middle chapters. So uh, then he decided to do uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. And I this is one of those films that I heard a buzz about. And I remember it kind of was building a fan base a little bit, but I kind of felt like it was a little bit forced. I didn't know what you thought about when it was when you were starting to get uh, the rumblings of this uh, this crazy opera type of movie involving the repossession of people's futuristic organs uh, by a man. He, he's basically he is a repo man. Well, Sean, you know, it's called repo. Uh, so, yeah. It's 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 repossession by uh, by a man. So maybe he's uh, maybe he's a repo man. I do not know, but uh, it's it's Anthony Stewart Head, right? Anthony Stewart Head plays the uh, aforementioned titular. Oh, I love that fucking word, titular. <laughs> Sean, do you like do you like titch? Hell yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you like the titch, baby. <laughs> Anthony Stewart Head plays the titular Repo Man. Uh, and I agree with you that it was forced. Uh, I remember this was, this was a time where I was transitioning from my, uh, my college theater, which happens to be, you know, the moneymaker is, uh, <laughs> musical theater. Yeah, I, I was transitioning from college theater to professional theater, which happens to be, spoiler alert, musical theater. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they were like really fucking, like all the camps involved with, uh, with, with this culture at the time were like repo, repo, repo. And I'm like, really? And, and what you kept hearing was, uh, oh, this is the new Rocky Horror. This is the new Rocky Horror. I'm like, right. really? Cause Rocky Horror had a couple years to become Rocky Horror. <laughs> that, this shit we're talking about comes out in two weeks. <laughs> like, we, yeah. don't, we, we yeah. don't know what the fuck it is. And, and I think this was one of the first times where we had like postmodern cinema being sold to us like Predate because they were doing the sing along screenings and all <laughs> right. that stuff like before it even came out, and it had this crazy like somehow hardcore following in certain pockets of the country that I feel like was just I, I don't know like they had street teams and all that kind of stuff like they they really this thing was was they were trying to get it out there as a cult hit before it even was released. And, and Sean, what they'll do is they'll say, look, look, listen. This shit, we, we, we did repo, uh, exclamation point, the genetic opera. We did that shit regionally here, right here in this area. And it was a big hit. Like that's how, that's how you know it's going to be big. But I'll say to you, Sean, that I live in the Bay Area and I was here the whole time. And like, it was not, we, we never had a fucking performance of it 
before this movie. And then I, you know, I go see the movie in, in the Berkeley cinemas. And, uh, I, I think it was pre-sold as a, a musical phenomenon before it was authentically a musical phenomenon. But I also think it was like a, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of being a musical phenomenon because it was bought, paid, and sold as a musical phenomenon. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, the music, what, what struck me was like, so it's an opera. So it's technically not a musical. So operas, like pretty much almost every single word is sung in, in an opera. And so this thing is just wall-to-wall music flowing in and out of this movie, uh, song to song. And when I, I remember when it, because I, you know, I'd, I'd heard the rumblings about it, and and I was just like, well, I'm going to buy the the soundtrack. So the soundtrack came out. I bought the soundtrack, and I was like, eh, this is okay. Like, uh, it's, you know, it's not like really hitting it as far as like a musical goes. Like these songs, you know, I I feel like I had to have seen the film to really enjoy it. But even like it's been so long since I've seen this movie, and the only one that. Uh, that sticks in my mind is with that guy with kind of the weird dreads talking about, uh, is it the drugs? He's like selling drugs, right? Zytrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? A little glass vial. And the little glass vial goes into the gun like a battery. And the Zytrate gun goes somewhere against your anatomy. And when the gun goes off, it sparks and you're ready for surgery. Surgery. But I also think of, uh, I also think of like Paul Sorvino, who's like giving it his all in this fucking movie. Oh man, like, he's Paul trying. Paul Sorvino like goes for it. They're like, Paul, Paul, come here. Paul, come here. Huddle in, Paul. And Paul comes in <laughs> for like, for like a fucking NFL huddle or something. And the producer's like, Paul, this is a musical. And Paul, not only is it a musical, it's an opera. And your last name is Sorvino. And that kind of sounds like a pizza restaurant. So I need you to go out there and I need you to sound like a dude representing a pizza restaurant in an opera. And Paul Servino does, God bless his heart, he does what Paul Servino does, which is act like Paul Servino in a musical in Romeo and Juliet, which he already did like, uh, you know, eight years before that. (laughs) But but beyond that, like we have... We have we have Anthony Stewart Head, who was in, of course. Anthony Stewart Head is is the shit. Like that dude should be used in much more things, but uh, of course he was used in. Uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, uh, Once more with feeling the the Buffy musical, and then we of course have Paris Hilton from uh, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 sex tape. And then we have uh, who else? Oh, Bill Mosley, man! Bill Mosley's in it, man. Yeah, yeah. Fucking chop top. Yeah, yeah. fucking chop tops in this shit. Uh, Sarah Brightman. Uh, oh yeah, is, no, you're you're Christian. Well. You love this shit. Yeah, she does Christian music shit, right? No, no, no. I I don't remember her from any like Christian things. I don't know what you're what you're talking about there. I don't know. Like I think I I think Sarah Brightman. I think Sarah Brightman, I think, like, Christmas. Does she have, like, Christmas albums? Maybe? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Um, 
in this picture, she's like super hot. But I mean, other than that, <laughs> I, I hadn't really heard of, I hadn't really heard of her. Didn't really have any Sarah Brightman uh, albums or anything. That's your pivot. Like I, I make it religious, and your pivot is I want to fuck Sarah Brightman. Well, I mean, right? Yeah, no, no, I'm with normal reaction. High five. No, I'm with you. At this point in the podcast, I feel it necessary to apologize for Sean and Mike's pure ignorance of Sarah Brightman. At the time, Sean was thinking of Amy Lee from Evanescence, and Mike was thinking of the Christian singer Plum. Both of them were way off and are idiots. We sincerely apologize to Sarah Brightman fans listening to today's show. But I'm looking at it says albums and it looks like she's done some uh, some stuff. So uh, Dream Chaser, Symphony, Harem, Eden. She's done a whole lot. She's uh, she's uh, apparently a pretty prolific uh, singer. But anyway, uh, I digress. I Sarah Brightman's like the redheaded Sarah McLaughlin, right? <laughs> sure. The only thing point of reference I have for Sarah Brightman is she was in Reba the Genetic Genetic Opera, and I was told that she did, you know, did more music like opera music. That's the only point of reference I have for her, unfortunately. Can you look up if she's like hardcore Christian right now? This <laughs> no, she, I, I'm I'm looking. I don't see anything about her being hard hardcore uh, Christian. <laughs> I mean, she was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. All right. <laughs> Wait, a woman was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber? That's that's my big question. They divorced in uh 1990? Oh, they <laughs> they divorced. <Wait>. They divorced. <laughs> I'm confused by this timeline. Okay, so she was married to Andrew Graham Stewart until 1983. She married Andrew Lloyd Webber, but they divorced in 1990. Wait, hold on. She was married to Andrew Graham Stewart, and mm-hmm. then she married Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like, yes. she has a kink for Andrew with, like, two other names? Like, <laughs> yes. The, yes. If, if she kept going this way, she was going to marry someone who, who would shoot up a school or, like, at least, like, from a, <laughs> a, a fucking tower. Like, three names, Andrew. Come on now. We've stayed on Sarah Brightman too long. Uh, she was kind of like – she was kind of like the – you know the street cred like we're repo the genetic opera we got sarah brightman because she she gives them like the the opera cred so in the future 2056 uh there's there's i guess an epidemic of organ failures and uh out of the tragedy of that genco says hey uh we can fix your shit here's a new you get new organ but you're going to be in debt to us, and uh, if you can't make your payments, we're going to take your organ back. So therefore, they hire this, these repo men to come in and basically take these organs back. And so our we have we have so we have uh, Anthony Head playing Nathan, the repo man, and I believe his his daughter. We kind of see a lot through her uh, through his daughter, uh, played by Alexa Vega, I believe. And her name is Shiloh. From Spy Kids. 
So uh, she's realizing what her what her dad does because he's been keeping it from her and and, uh, and and everything goes from there. The the rest of the plot kind of escapes my brain. I've I've only ever seen Repo, uh, the genetic opera. I saw it I saw it one time. I saw it in the movie theater like a cool badass dude who's like, oh, you know, I saw this movie that is like cult and like cool and fun. And no, I saw it one time. In, in the movie theater, I saw it, uh, the weekend of my birthday, cause my birthday is November 10th. So, uh, so I went and saw every new movie that weekend in 2008, which included, uh, Repo, the genetic opera, and, um, a movie I like a lot more for another podcast. Definitely not this one ever, but it, <laughs> uh, it's a movie called JCVD, which stands for John Claude Van Damme. I got yeah. a bone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. But uh oh no, I God. saw those two movies uh at at the same time. And uh you know, like running running uh uh Splat House, I almost called it Splatcast. We haven't fucking done that shit forever. But uh <laughs> running running Splat House and like being a part of like musical theater in in, in the Bay Area, people they they do they like this movie comes up a lot, and I feel the same way you feel, Sean. Like where it's it's kind of like this forced musical extravaganza, you know. And uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have an answer for it besides the fact that I saw it once in a movie theater, and I kind of liked it, and I kind of forgot about it, and now I'm kind of talking about it ten years later on a on a podcast, <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, I remember the week that it came out, it was $8 in Best Buy. Like, it came out and they were like, oh shit, let's just get rid of this thing. I love the idea that if you, if you get a new organ and you can't pay for it, someone's going to rip it out. I love that aspect of it. So moving on to that aspect, like, hey, uh, Mike, what if, what if someone took this idea, Mike Delaney, yes. and yes. made, go. A serious attempt. Yes. At a movie. Okay. About men hired mm-hmm. to rip out yes. organs of people who can't pay for them. How do you keep track of all those things you got in there? Let's see. Pancreas and kidneys from the diabetes. One went bad outside warranty. Had to go black market on a replacement. Fever, stomach and lungs. Thanks to the Q habit. Stop. Flexor dura joints. Billion step warranty. Stop. Ask me about my lips. Okay. Question, query, Sean. Sean? Yes. Can Ghost Dog be in it? Yes, Ghost Dog can fucking be in this movie. All right, I want to call it Repo Man, and I want to I, I, I want to fucking serve it to Alex Cox. I want to call it Perfect. Repo Man, and I want to I want to fucking Alex Cox with his shit with. Oh, wait, I want to give it to him so bad. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what if what if what if we call this? Okay, you know, it's based on a novel. Eric Garcia wrote right. this. What if we just call it the Repossession Mambo instead of kind of maybe no, making it seem no, like it's going to be no, linked to Repo Man Mambo. or something? Sean, stop, stop! You sound so white. Say Mambo again. 
Mambo. No, come on, Sean. I'm I'm an L.A. executive. I'm super white and super rich. All right. Say, hey, Mambo, Mambo repossession. Say it it like that. Sing it. Hey, Mambo. Mambo repossession. Mambo. No, you don't say. No, no, no. Look, (laughs) Rosemary Clooney, we could at least pretend she was doing the Italian thing. You, You can't do it. So no, we're not going to call it Mambo repossession. I think of I think of the Mambo Kings, right? Like that's uh, Antonio Banderas. Uh-huh. And can you say Banderas? Gotcha, Banderas, Antonio Banderas. How's that? that that's okay? like that's the that's the most I've like authentically heard you try to to <laughs> say <laughs> an artist's name. Say <laughs> say Dario Argento. Say Dario Argento. Dario Argento. Alright, now say Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Alright, there you go. You do. You say it, man. You say it like Mimi from fucking Drew Carey. Like, you know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> but no. Alright, so, what, uh, wait, what? It was called the Mambo Repossession. What, what the fuck was it called? It was called the, the Repossession book? Mambo, uh, the book by Eric Garcia. They decided to change it to Repo Man. Universal did because they knew. Alex Cox had the rights to, or had, you know, they were kind of sparring back and forth because Alex Cox had kind of wanted to do a sequel to Repo Man and Universal Studios is like, fuck you, Alex Cox. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to do Repo Men. And so there was a, there was a little bit of a, of a legal battle. And a little bit later, we'll talk about the kind of the, 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 the fuck you that Alex Cox, uh, decided to send their way, although it, you know, gloriously crashed and burned, but we'll talk about it in, in a little bit here. But, uh, Repo Men almost is like a straight, uh, adapt, uh, like, uh, like a non-musical version of Repo the Genetic Opera. And I'm wondering, if Repo the Genetic Opera owes Eric Garcia some cash. Right? I mean, it's a, these are very similar stories. Or, or unless this is kind of like a, uh, you know, volcano versus, uh, what's that other volcano movie that came out the same year? Dante's Peak. Dante, Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak. Sean Dreger, shut your fucking mouth. It's called Dante's <laughs> Peak. You show a little fucking respect Dante's to the Peak. volcano movies. <laughs> Or like Armageddon and uh, what's 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 deep what's impact. You show a little fucking deep respect to Mimi impact. leaders. Deep impact. <laughs> or it's like ants in a bug's life. No, I get it, Sean. There's two movies every year that come out that are kind of tangentially related, but, but this but is not the same. But like, this is two years. This is two years apart. Two years apart. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, so there's no excuse. I believe this movie created Miguel Sapochnik's career and also killed it uh, because he hasn't really done a movie since. Jude Law plays Remy, a repo man, Forrest Whitaker as Jake, and uh, uh, Liev Schreiber plays Remy's boss. What are your top three Jude Law movies ever? I like I like his character in AI artificial intelligence. Uh, I like how he tries to play this this like uh, teeth stained bad guy in Road to Perdition. Um, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. just he was just in a film that I saw that I loved him in Black Sea. I like him in Gattaca a lot. I like him in uh, 
I like them in uh, 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 shopping. You've you seen this one, shopping, that uh, Paul W.S. Anderson did before he made, uh, I think, before he made Mortal Kombat, or definitely before he made uh, Event Horizon, where it, it's this, uh, like, hyper-British movie where they, they crash cars into shopping mall stores and, like, steal shit from the stores, but it's called Shopping with, with Jude Law. That one's really good. Uh, I like, uh, what did I say? Gattaca. And then, so that's two. And then I, I would say I love him. I, I fucking love him as the, uh, uh, narrator, uh, in the Lemony Snicket, uh, oh. Jim Carrey movie. I love oh. him as Lemony Snicket in the Jim Carrey movie. I don't love that Jim Carrey movie at all. I'm a big fan <laughs> of Lemony Snicket, and I think Jude Law's voice and like his cadence that he provides to that is is amazing. And uh, my friend uh, Josh Conkle at Netflix, he needs to go ahead and hire uh, <laughs> Jude Law back uh, to to read some sides instead of Patrick Warburton. Who's also good. Patrick Warburton's good. But. So I think we find out that Remy uh, has an organ that he's had installed. Uh, therefore, he, ha- he and then he ends up where he can't he can't pay for it anymore. So he becomes like a man on the run, even though he is a repo man. I haven't seen this thing since it came out, but uh, I love this flick because I think of the uh, the insane gore. Uh, that they just throw in there. They kind of just said, like, fuck it. Like, this thing's a piece of shit. Let's just gory it up and kind of show the people ripping their rib cages open and taking out organs. And then, end, like, near the end, there's this really weird kind of sexy time scene where he's ripping out uh, some someone's organ. Uh, I believe the love interest, I believe. Played by uh, Alice Braga. <laughs> Do you remember anything about this film? No, I, no, I've never seen this in my entire life. So this is like a fun. <laughs> this is a fun moment. I want to play with you on a on a podcast in front of other people. I guess, but like, oh, yeah, yeah. all right. So, so Sean, I literally know nothing about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's Repo the Genetic Opera, basically played straight, unless, but, but you know, or it kind of like a. Maybe the fugitive mixed in there as well. So I don't know anything about this movie, and I swear to fucking god, I'm not. I'm not making this up. This this is not a bit. Sean, uh, <laughs> can you look up and see if the organ that Jude Law have had installed that he can't pay for is it his heart? I want to see if we can write this screenplay right now. Uh, yes, he something happens, and he becomes the recipient of an artificial heart. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, of course, guess who has to pursue him? Guess who has to pursue him? Oh wait, stop! Yeah, his his former yeah his former partner, his former partner, right? His best buddy and partner, Forrest Whitaker. It's compact. It's safe. It's comfortable. Everything you want in a new liver. The price seven hundred fifty six thousand dollars. Let me just reassure you that our credit department will find a plan that fits your lifestyle. He'll sign it. Everybody signs it. But what they don't tell you is if you can't pay the bills, some union man will break into your house and reclaim our property. I can pay. Sorry, that's not my department. Live up. What are you, hanging out at AA meetings? We got a time bomb. My name's Remy. That's my best friend, Jake. 
We grew up together, and now we work together. Yeah, job's a job. What do you think keeps a world together? It's rules. It's people abiding by the terms of the deals that they sign themselves. How's your pancreas holding up? <laughs> I sent the money in this morning. <laughs> We're always going to be repo. From the IRS? Nah. They won't give me a new heart? Nah. Not with your credit history. You're a very lucky man, you know that? What you're looking at here is the new harp module, top of the line. Get it out. No time at all, you're gonna be back on your game. You're gonna be knocking them back. You've done this a thousand times. What is wrong with you? Falling behind on payments. Your repo, they'll come for you too. Who do you think Frank's gonna send after me? Maybe me. Wherever we go, wherever we hide, they'll find us. Take me out of the system. Give me your heart. Or we could come up with a plan that fits your... Uh, now he's yours. End it, Jake. Now. I'm not letting you go. I can't go back. Repo men. I mean, this is by the numbers, pulpy, trashy, B-level science fiction stuff. I mean, I'm wondering, I'm I'm wondering how much this actually came from the book itself, and how they just kind of, you know, cut the book up and just made it as accessible as possible and as simple as possible. Because it's, it's this is by the numbers. You know, by the numbers, like, of course, his best friend's going to be pursuing him. Of course, there's going to be near the end when they finally catch up to each other. And there's going to be some conflict there and, and, and everything. And um, but I mean, I just loved I mean, it's it's totally disposable, but but the effects are pretty great and it's gory as hell. And I just kind of liked the, you know, I, I, I like that aspect of it, that it was just this R rated goofy piece of trash and um and I like that it was like the attempt at some ser- serious non-musical take on that the story of somebody repossessing organs because I think that I think that idea is fantastic. I mean, you know, you, you think think about it, man. I mean, you know, what, what if what if you had an artificial heart and you couldn't make the payments because you bought too many Blu-rays, uh, or you know, maybe like uh, you just are bad at managing money or something like that. Why are you so fucking judgy, man? <laughs> And like, I I, I kind of would prefer, I think, even though like Jude Law's hot, Forrest Whitaker, yeah, he got the Oscar for The Last King of Scotland, whatever, but like, I'm kind of into the idea that Paris Hilton might have something to do with a song about getting my kidney to mm-hmm. her dad. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of mm-hmm. into that. Like it, it, it's maybe my kink. It's a little bit my kink, Sean. It's totally my kink. Totally, totally. You know, I messed I messed up when I said that uh, Miguel Miguel Sapochnik 
hasn't he I said he hasn't really done much. He's he's directed a shit ton of Game of Thrones episodes, so I apologize. He actually won an award for outstanding directing for a drama series uh at the 68th Primetime Emmy Awards, so I apologize to any Miguel Sapochnik fans. Um so I guess he's he's Sean. been you know a lot of Game of Thrones. Oh shit, and uh, uh he's directed some episodes of uh, Altered Carbon. Holy shit. He hasn't done any feature films since. I digress. Sean, we Sean, have more to talk Sean, about. Sean, 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 are you ready for this shit? I don't know what a Game of Thrones is. I have not seen an episode of Game of Thrones. I have not seen an episode of The Walking Dead. You're a liar. I have not seen an episode of Breaking Bad. I haven't seen any of this shit. Wow. Listen, if you make it a musical <laughs> with Paris Hilton, I will watch it. I, I don't know <laughs> what it is otherwise. Which is the problem I think Alex Cox had when he decided to not make a sequel to Repo Man, but to kind of do a spiritual successor uh, in 2009 called Repo Chick. They told me to get a job. <laughs> guys are repo men man i saw a movie about oh. you Dixie, there's your first assignment you see a big old trailer at the end of the street you need to liberate that you have 30 seconds to vacate this property 10 9 8 <laughs> the problem she's good since yesterday she has ripped five cars three planes six shopping malls Two places of worship. Three antique railroad car. Million dollar reward. Forget it, Pinky. That antique railroad car is an urban myth to encourage typical no-hoper jerk-offs like you. I saw the entire train. Three cars and a locomotive. August assigned me that train. I found the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. You have declined to join our righteous cause. I will be obliged to detain you. Dixie, if you fail, mortgage defaults will continue to rise, forcing more repossessions. Bailouts will cease to save us. Bankers will stop making loans. Zero credit, a worldwide recession, and thus the end of the repo trade. experience a feeling that you might just be created by a mad scientist as part of a tabletop experiment now this i'm looking at the timeline here i thought i was going to go in chronological order i did not repo men came out in 2010 repo chick came out in 2009 therefore pissing universal studios right the fuck off Hence, the naming of Repo Men was their fuck you to uh, to Alex Cox, I believe. So he he shares the rights. They they share the rights together. Like they did some sort of contract where he has half the rights. Universal Pictures has has the half the rights to Repo Man. Therefore, they can't do a proper sequel. So they neither neither of them can produce a true sequel without the other's consent. That's the way I understand it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> now that now that I said the thing that we agreed to. When Repo Chick came out, Universal Pictures threatened Alex Cox with a cease and desist order. Then they released Repo Men 
which Cox suggested, I guess, was deliberately titled to exploit interest in his film and to confuse audiences into believing it was a sequel. No litigation happened. I guess that was their thing. They're like, well, fine. You name your movie Repo Chick. We're going to name our movie Repo Men. Fuck you. Fuck you. Bye-bye. And the, the, this came out. Uh, Repo Men looking a lot better in the special effects departments than Repo Chick. Uh, he filmed Repo Chick with a, he wrote it with a $7 million budget in mind. Um, but I believe he only got about $200,000 and he, all he had access to was a green screen, uh, soundstage and 10 days of shooting. This movie's a mess. I guess. Hey, Sean, maybe instead of talking about Repo Chick, do you want to go back to talking about Repo Man? Let's do that. <laughs> Sean, are we, are we, are, are, are we derailing the entire episode, uh, talking about these things? I don't know. I do, I do that shit all the time. Haven't you ever heard uh, me and Sarah talk on Split House? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> we don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on Repo Chick, other than the fact that this thing is a major, uh, major disappointment. Um, I think everyone's trying hard with what they got. I, you know, I got to give everyone kind of an A for A for effort, E for effort. I don't know how you're the teacher. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, I, well, the expression is the American expression is we say A for effort. Okay, and that's, right, right, that's right. Ironic because we say A for effort, and effort, right. of course, does not begin with the letter A. It begins with the letter P for perfect. You got my joke. <laughs> oh man, we got to we, we do have to let people know about the 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 plot of Repo Chick and then uh and, and then we can then we just move on. But it, it's it's a really like the lead character's name Pixie and she's this spoiled brat. She's like an heiress or something of like some LA family. And uh, her parents, because of her, I guess, scandals, they disinherit her and tell her she has to find a real job. Her car gets repossessed, and I guess she decides to become a repossessor, but they don't re- repossess just cars and stuff. They'll repossess, like, homes and different things like that. So it's, it's almost like the same bit of a premise on, uh, on a on a grizzled re- repo man taking on an apprentice in her case is a repo gir- repo chick and uh, there's also something about like a uh, a train and all the trains like everything's models like we're talking like um uh what's what's that uh, that 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 European uh, British or whatever train show, Thomas the Train. It's like he borrowed a bunch of sets from Thomas the Train, and that was what he would superimpose to the green sc- green screen, and uh, and th- th- those are your special effects. And there's some plot about like some eco terrorists that they want to turn everyone into vegans, but if no one becomes vegan, that they're going to bomb L.A. <clears throat> they're gonna bomb L.A. with nuclear bombs stuck on this train. Am I, am I anywhere close to getting this plot somewhat, uh, correct? No, you're, you're, you're very close to, uh, to the plot and you, you got it correct. I get hung (laughs) up. I get hung up with the app, the application of, of, of the green screen. Cause I think of, uh, what was happening around this time with like Robert Rodriguez and, uh, Frank Miller and Tarantino making Sin City. Right. 
They make Sin City in what, yeah. 2004, 2005? It's uh, at at the time. It's like, oh, it's a it's a green screen movie, like one of the first green screen movies. And then shortly after that, we have Zack Snyder becoming uh, uh, inspired after Dawn of the Dead to make his green screen, quote unquote, green screen movie with uh, 300, also a Frank Miller production. Mm-hmm. And then what? We're like two years after that. And we're still having these green screen movies. Like there's a, I, I guess in this interim, there's a, what, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. A, b- a bunch of other things happening. The, the the Star Wars prequels are basically green screen movies. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I mean, around yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. everyone was like, oh, just uh, put everything, put everyone in front of a green screen. We'll put it all in later. And it, with yeah. various uh, mixed results of quality. But by the time we get to 2009, it becomes much more like economically viable for like a independent filmmaker so say someone who was bigger, you know, decades earlier, like an Alex Cox, who was making fucking almost Academy Award uh, caliber, even though the Academy Awards are, are fucking bullshit, but like Academy <laughs> caliber movies with like Sid and Nancy where you're like, oh, Gary Oldman should have gotten an Oscar. Didn't he win an Oscar for playing uh, Sidney Vicious, you know? Like that type of thing. And then now he's, you know, now he's back to kind of this independent punk rock camp, ironically, because that's where he started. But like now these $200,000 filmmakers could make these green screen movies. And that's I, th- that's where I think like Repo Chick starts, where it's like we don't necessarily need these live uh, locations in Los Angeles with like the L.A. River or these other places we used in, in the film prior, but we could, we could just put a bunch of people in front of a green screen and figure it out later. And, uh, it, that's much more economically viable in 2009 than it was like, (laughs) you know, five years earlier in 2004. Right. Uh, and I, and I think that's, that's where like a lot of the shortcuts were made with, with, with this like intersection of uh, ability and economics and like, yeah, 2009, man, you like, that was kind of a sweet spot where you could make a really fucking shitty movie in front of a green screen and still, still sell it. And like, that's where VOD first started happening (laughs) was around 2009. So you could be like, Oh, this brand new movie that's from the director of da 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 da. Like it's not just Alex Cox. It was happening uh, in, in, in other places as well. And like, that was kind of a a sweet spot. Oh, it's a stylistic thing. We're doing this on purpose. You know, and they're the cars are kind of too small and they're too big for their cars and everything. And when they're driving down the roads, it's 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 ridiculous. But um do you like <clears throat> if so if the distraction of the green screen wasn't there, do you feel like Repo Chick may like say say they did the plot of Repo Chick, that like, this crazy plot of Repo Chick in like the Repo Man style where it's more a little more down to earth and, and gritty. Do you think it would work or is it just too far gone because this script is not as good at all uh or, or memorable or quote worthy as repo man like there's it somehow he had lost his kind of uh grasp on like the the society you know in, in the late 
2000s and objectively like it's not as good <laughs> as Repo Man like anyone could fucking read that or see that but I, but I think like the bigger case is we have a we have a filmmaker who's kind of like outgrown his britches like like it's yeah. why we hear all the time about like a Clerks 3 script but we don't see a Clerks 3 movie or play or comic book or whatever fucking form it's going to take because like nowadays there's all these like checks and balances for uh for this type of property whereas i think again like not to beat a dead horse but i think in 2009 like we didn't have this whole reboot reboot thing down we didn't have this whole green screen thing down we didn't have this whole vod thing down so there was kind of this sweet spot for like this retro filmmaker who was trying to bring back a property and kind of had like a half-baked script and like it was kind of a sweet spot for like getting it produced, getting it out there, getting it to people and you know, he didn't have to check it with 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 folks, which is cool. Like I'm like I'm for that. Like you don't need a fucking committee to to approve your script. Like who gives a shit about right. about that? Uh but but I think when it's a property that is tangentially related to something like iconic, like Repo Man, or, you know, I, I made jokes earlier, or not jokes, but I made references earlier to like clerks, like a Kevin Smith. Like you'd think that, you'd think that they'd at least care what, uh, what the populace might have like thought about this going into it or immediately like when it comes out. So you can kind of like readjust or I don't know. <laughs> figure out your own narrative but um <laughs> but yeah no it, it's definitely not as timely or uh timeless as as repo man but it is interesting uh i guess to see his attempt but uh but it it, it fails gloriously and uh if if people want to check it out, I, I I coughed up money and I actually bought the Blu-ray of this, but uh, it is available on like Amazon Prime, right? Or is it available to rent at least? Because I couldn't find it anywhere. I was trying to find it to rent it. Yeah, it's available to rent on uh on Amazon Prime, and then there's a couple. It, it, I don't know how the fucking rights work to it, but there's uh there's like a Blu-ray of it that costs like thirty five dollars in the U.S. and Oof. then there's a Blu-ray of it that costs like twelve dollars in in the U.S. I got the twelve dollar one. Yeah, twelve dollars is too much. I, I would say rent this son of a bitch for sure. I'm I'm a big Alex Cox like apologist. Look, we we mentioned Repo Man, we mentioned uh, Straight to Hell. Everyone should fucking watch. Straight to hell. Everyone should watch, uh, like, uh, uh, Sean said, uh, Sid and Nancy, which yeah. I think is available now on Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, it features gorgeous. Gary Oldman. This, this year's, uh, Academy Award nominee for playing Winston Churchill, right? In a, in a Joe <laughs> Wright movie. He plays, right. uh, Sid Vicious. He plays Sid Vicious in the, uh, the Sex Pistols, like, autobiography, or, Biodrama. Uh, it's not autobiography. I know what autobiography means. Shut up. Don't fucking yell at me, internet person. I know what it means. And then uh, Alex Cox also made Walker with uh, Ed Harris. One of my favorite movies Alex Walker made is... Uh, er, <laughs> Alex Walker. I'm just fucking... Ah! <laughs> Alex, Alex Cox made is... Uh, it's called Three Businessmen. And he's actually the star of this thing with... Uh, 
with Miguel Sandoval, the the guy who plays uh, uh, Archie, the uh, the kind of dumb uh, punk with the mohawk in, in Repo Man, who's like, I'm King Archie. <laughs> oh, don't you know me, Dookie? he's also the dude in Jurassic Park who's like uh who like looks at the uh, the amber with the uh with the mosquito in 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 the rock remember that uh Latino guy yeah yeah that's him from fucking yes. repo man Miguel Sandoval what? uh yeah he he plays the lead in this movie called three businessmen Really fucking funny movie with a lot of one take shots. So if you're if you're a filmmaker or a fan of uh, films with with these glorious one takes, you'll you'll like this movie called Three Businessmen. It's a comedy starring Alex Cox and uh, Miguel Sandoval as art dealers trying to find a perfect restaurant. So it's like a it's a bit like the satire of like a, a Repo Man or an Alex Cox movie meets uh uh like a. What what would I call it? Like a uh, my my uh, my dinner with Andre, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He also made a a movie called Revengers Tragedy with uh, Christopher Eccleston, of course the uh, the ninth Doctor from Doctor Who. No man, Alex Cox is Alex Cox is fucking great, and I uh, you know that uh, that tragedy yeah. of the mid aughts where where you have the green screen. Yeah, he. He fell. He fell victim to that, but uh, he's a fucking badass dude with more than a handful of great movies. He did do uh, Straight to Hell Returns. Yeah, that's a that's a re-edit of uh, remastered and recut yeah. version. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. All right, well, yeah, uh, we, you know, we 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 wish Alex Cox all the best. Uh, not just because his last name is Cox, but. Uh, we we are definitely fans, and I need to. Che- I, I definitely, man. I'm I'm. I need to check out Straight to Hell. I can't believe I've never seen that, and I definitely need to catch Walker because uh, Ed Harris is the man, and Ed Harris in kind of a western setting uh, is even better. I'm a huge fan of Westworld, and I love Ed Harris in there, and I really need to see Walker. Um, so I need to track that down. But um, and, and again, Sean Walker's Walker's a true story. I know. You know, he, he yeah. becomes like a president of Nicaragua or something. I can't talk right now. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and like, how are you a fan of uh, Joe Strummer and the Clash? And you know the the song from Combat Rock, man, straight to hell. Yes, straight I suck. to Hellboy, right, dude? Yeah, there you yes. go. Elvis what is Costello, wrong with me? Elvis. Elvis Costello's in that goddamn movie, my friend. Put me in the punk rock jail. I'm not. I am not. <laughs> I cannot be called a. Uh, I can't be associated with punk rock anymore. I failed the ultimate test. That was that was probably the first question on the punk rock test that I missed and didn't take. I would have failed. I would have never uh, ever considered myself a. Uh, I a love punk it. Rock kid sean i don't want to get out of uh this episode of the podcast without talking a little bit more real quick about the the punk rock of uh repo man because here's the thing we we talk about i think all the time in in uh in film culture we talk about movies that are like oh this is uh this is the the black movie from the 90s that everyone should know (laughs) or like this is this is the hip-hop film from the early aughts that everyone should know but i think that Repo Man is legitimately like the punk rock movie 
from the 80s that personifies like the punk rock movement like authentically not yes not like it it's not like this fake faux like we're wearing punk rock punk rock is green day bullshit like it's right right like, it's right there hot from topic the punk rock yeah no we're talking about like before black flag was a thing before like the circle jerks were a thing yeah before before like Th- that sweet period when like Iggy Pop was like a name where you're like yes from uh from the the late sixties with uh, the Stooges or the the seventies with David Bowie and then now he's transitioning you you know they used Iggy Pop uh for his title track Repo Man like so so authentically in this but goddamn like this soundtrack like fucks like this whole fucking thing is great. Suicidal Tendencies, uh, oh. circle, circle Jerks, like you mentioned, Black Flag, E Pop. Uh, this is some good. This is some, some good shit. But not only is it suicidal tendencies, it's fucking institutionalized. Like people don't get yeah. that, that that the radio hit that they know is like from Repo Man or uh, right. Uh, what else do I quote? Oh, all the time from the soundtrack, man. I quote. Uh, Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. Because I, I would think about that shit all the time in high school, man. Like, I had this I had this high school uh, art teacher that all the time, man, she preached about how Pablo Picasso was such, like, a womanizer and a misogynist. And, like, that's true. Like, look it up. Like, that's just fucking true. But, like, what I would think about all the time <laughs> was the Repo Man soundtrack and Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. And I remember I had this bonding moment with her where, where like, I, I told her, like, why I thought, like, her rants on Pablo Picasso were funny because of this, uh, this song from, from Repo Man or, like, what I knew at the time. And, and she goes, that, that is ironic. That is, that is, uh, irony and art. So that's the great thing about punk rock, though, man. It's irony and art at the best. Hell yes. When I was doing the Kickstarter for, or not Kickstarter, what did I do? Indiegogo. I did Indiegogo for Medius Res, the, uh, the feature film I made. Part of, part of the feature film I made was based off, Re- Sean, you saw my movie, right? Yes. Part of the genesis of the project was from Repo Man, like, what's in the, the fucking trunk of this car? We made a yeah. neo-noir and like, what's in the trunk? But that's all, that's all just like fucking repo man. So when we did the Indiegogo part of the, the campaign, like what I would give away is I gave away soundtracks of, uh, of repo man since it was a, uh, an inspiration to me. I wanted to read really quick, uh, a Roger Ebert's, you know, blurb on repo man. He says, uh, he goes, I saw repo man near the end of a busy stretch on the movie beat three days during which I saw more relentlessly bad movies than during any comparable period in memory. Most of those bad movies were so cynically constructed out of formula ideas and quote commercial ingredients that watching them was an ordeal. Repo man comes out of left field, has no big stars, didn't cost much, takes chances, dares to be unconventional, is funny and works. There is a lesson here. That's Roger Ebert on January 1st, 1984. 
what one of my favorite movies of all time. It's it's fucking funny. It's uh it's imaginative. It's uh <laughs> it's as sat as satire goes, like it's deep, it's biting, it's got a great like sonic landscape. Uh no, Repo Man's the shit, man. Like top top five for me of all time. Hell yes. Alright, well, Mike Delaney of the no of See, I can't even, I, I'm, I'm tired of T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. No, no, stop, stop, the stop, T stop, stands don't fuck for... it up. Stop, <laughs> stop, Sean, you're going to fuck it up. All right, so for everybody listening here tonight, this is Mike D from T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. The T-H-E stands for the, and you are listening to the xenopod from the year 5000 man we are here with host sean derager don't ask me to spell it for him he will spell it for you bitch babies he is gonna send us out tonight sean take it away thank you all for listening we'll talk to all of you next month stephanie crawford will be joining us next month her and i will be talking 1982 drugged out science fiction opus Liquid Sky, out now on Vinegar Syndrome, where all fine discs are sold. We'll talk to all of you guys next time. Bye-bye. Xeno Pod from the year 5000. Xeno Profile Repo Man. Xeno Pod from the year 5000. Xeno Profile. Xeno Pod from the year 5000. Xeno Profile Repo Man. 1984. A quintessential cult film of the 1980s. Al- Alex Cox is this singular sci-fi comedy star. The always captivating Harry Dean Stanton as a weathered repo man in a desolate Los Angeles. Emilio Estevez is a nihilistic middle-class punk. He takes under his wing. The job becomes more than either of them bargained for when they get involved in repossessing the mysterious and otherworldly Chevy Malibu with a hefty award attached to it. Featuring ultimate early, early 80s LA punk soundtrack. This grungily hilarious odyssey is also a politically trenchant take on President Reagan's domestic and foreign policies. Xeno Pod from the year 5000. Gonna profile repo man. Nightman, nightman, nightman. Xeno Pod from the year 5000. Gonna profile.